but the idea is the same, right? The, the main idea is that whether you're the older brother or the younger brother, you need to respond to Jesus. This is Fixed on Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fixed on Jesus podcast. My name is Rich. I will be hosting this episode along with Mark Johnson Jr. just across the table. Hello. And behind the glass, we have our production coordinator, Heather Corbett. She waves to you right now, and she is smiling, and there's lots of glee in her face. Um, That's right. You cannot see. You'll have to take my word for it. And that glass is bulletproof, just in case. You're oh, it a is. Shooter. I am not a shooter. Good. But that's not something we should probably joke about. No. Um, but uh, Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, that's totally inappropriate. <laughs> I need to repent. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, like, one of the things as I've gotten to know you, Mark, one of the fears that I've, I've recognized that you have is an oh. ir- irrational. And I, I only fear the Lord. You don't. That's not true, because I know you well. I mean, I'm glad you fear the Lord, because yeah. you do. But you have an irrational fear of dogs. It probably is. Not Probably. Like I have, when you come over to my house, you act like my dogs want to want to bite your neck and like rip out your throat. I feel like if push came to shove, I would have to win and I don't want to hurt somebody's pet. And why, why do you take such an adversary relationship against people's pets? I think dogs are meant to just protect the area. And I think owners drastically underestimate the level of aggression of their pets. They're like, oh, he's just playing, but it, there's blood coming from my skin. That's not at all what happened. So like that's no, like, I, I, but I have been bit. But I, I also okay. So how many? It's not so much a, fi- a fear. It's I don't really like them. I don't feel anything in my heart for a dog. Well, you don't have to feel anything in your heart. You're just afraid and scared. I'm not afraid that my dog will bring blood up from your. I'm gonna win if it comes to. I'm not dog. worried about that. I don't want to hurt just, your dog. It's a pet, Mark. It's a pet who... It's an an animal that you... It's an animal, right? We've subdued. Have you ever read Genesis (laughs) where it talks about us subduing? You neutered it? Yeah, he's neutered. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's definitely subdued. And so uh, we... That's what I thought you meant. Yeah, No, that's not what I was talking about. I was talking about taking animals into our home and letting them comfort us and... and Yeah, take them to the grill. No, that is not... Yeah, so you have... have, Let me just say, I'm going to say this publicly now for the first time. Mark has an unbiblical view of dogs. I I must. You do. You do. You have like... People who don't like dogs or are afraid of dogs like you are, I I have to just think, okay, can I trust this person? And I found (laughs) that I can trust you. Okay, that's good. So I'm an exception at least. Yeah, you are. So beyond... uh, Rich making fun of uh, these fears that he just made up. Um, I did not make them <laughs> up. Getting to our topic, um, how do we read the Gospels? So like from a hermeneutical or an interpretation standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, Gospels, uh, first of all, backing up, when we think about the Bible, we want to take meaning from the Bible. We don't want to put meaning into the Bible. Mm. And so meaning resides in the Scriptures. And so what we need to do is strive as good Christians who, who do good interpretation. What we want to do is we want to be people who recognize that there's one interpretation. It means one thing, and there are many applications. And so when it comes to the Gospels, 
the Gospels are are unique in a lot of different ways. One is that they are there are four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all describe the life, death, and resurrection of one person, Jesus. Yeah. And it's also important to recognize that Jesus did not write these Gospels, and so we have eyewitness testimony um, that is written down for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the life, death, birth, life, death, resurrection, and um, ascension of Jesus in some cases. There's different. And released at a time when some of those eyewitnesses who saw Jesus were still alive. Yes. Uh, Maybe not all of them. Paul's epistles came out before the Gospels. Ah, And so... That's what I was uh, thinking of. Yeah, so like 1 Corinthians 15... Where Paul talks about talk people, people who, well, yeah, people have people saw him rose from the dead and yeah. talked to so and so, you know, yeah. and so like they're he still names alive. Names. Yeah, he, well, he he references people that they would have known, talk yeah. to him and see, yeah, you know, so that we've got eyewitness testimony here, um, and so the gospels are, um, there are three that are very similar: Matthew, yeah. Mark, and Luke. And, and those are called different. John's different. Those are called synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which means to see together. Yeah. And so if you read them, they're very similar. They order their material very similarly. Yeah. And then John John is on a totally different program. Yeah. And so we're uh, going through John in the in the Bible study. Yeah. So you're adults. you're leading our twelve Bible study with young adults. Yeah. And John is is the book you guys are going through. Yeah. And part of the reason is because John focuses just each episode focuses on a different aspect of Jesus, right? Yeah. And so the when you when it comes to the gospels, they are very similar to Old Testament narratives except a couple things. One, the focus is solely on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every time you read a narrative or a gospel, you need to you need to ask yourself what's Jesus doing? What's he saying? What focus on him and make sure that he is He's in the center point of, of, of your view, right? Yeah. Um, there are other times he's teaching, right? And so he's not always teaching. Sometimes he's doing miracles. Sometimes yeah. he's just moving from town to town. Sometimes he's talking to his disciples. Sometimes things are being done to him. Mm-hmm. But all the way through, you need to focus your attention on Jesus. And so we, we want to resist the temptation to put ourselves in the position, obviously, mm-hmm. of Jesus. We want to say, okay, what's happening to Jesus? What's going on? Right. Yeah. Um, and then also we need to recognize that the authors did not include everything they could have included. We That's know next you'll see some differences. Yeah. Well, also we know next to nothing except to his birth and then an event when he was twelve about his childhood. Yeah. I mean, we what we have is, for the most part, a vast the vast majority of the material we have are about is about and centers around his ministry, um, from the time he started his ministry to his death and resurrection. So it's nowhere in the gospels does a gospel say, does a gospel writer say something like the most important thing that happened to Jesus was his death and resurrection. Why? Because they don't have to say that. Yeah. John spends half of his material on his death and resurrection. And so he's telling us without telling us, Hey, I'm including this material so that you can recognize the most important thing about Jesus is his 
death and resurrection because yeah. without his substitutionary death and his resurrection from the dead, we would have no hope. And so the gospel writers want us to be very clear about that, right? Yeah. And so that's why you'll notice with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the, 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 the action slows way down when it gets to Passion Week because that's the most important week in the whole history of humanity. Yeah. So it slows way down, and you, you can follow Jesus throughout the days and see what happens. Yeah. So um, that's really important. Another important factor is to just recognize that this is literature. It's not just a bare reporting of facts. So you want to recognize, you want to note as you read the Gospels, the episodes, how the episodes unfold. Right. And so this is especially important in a book like Mark. Mark is um, Mark is one of the it's the the shortest gospel. And in fact, it's um, it's the gospel that is has the word immediately all the way throughout. So the action is being pressed all the time. And you have uh, you have all the time you have you have action being pushed, 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 pushed. And so we have to recognize that um, Mark is trying to do something specific which is he wants to show you as the reader to be to, to understand that Jesus is the man of action here. And so he's the man pushing the action. He's the one who's pressing things forward, right? And so it's important to recognize through the book of Mark that the order of the story matters. Like, for example, in Mark chapter 11, we read in verse 12 about Jesus coming to the fig tree, there's no fruit on the tree. He curses the tree. He goes to the temple and cleanses the temple. The next morning, he goes back past the tree, and the tree is completely withered. And you have to ask yourself, why would Mark tell the story that way? Why wouldn't he say, the tree gets cursed and withers, then he goes to the temple? Because what we have here is called a Mark and Sandwich. What we have is... Mark showing us through the story of the fig tree that the fig tree in in verse beginning in verse 12 of chapter 11 it was in leaf and it communicated I have fruit but Jesus got close because he's hungry and there is no fruit same the, the the temple communicated the same thing it was communicating through its grandeur and its and its and its religious activities that we have we have fruit we have the words of life, we have something to offer, and it didn't. Jesus curses the fig tree, it and it it is it withers and dies. And um, he essentially is it Mark is saying the same thing will happen to the temple, and in certain yeah. and it certainly did in AD 70. So notice the order of of episodes in, in the gospels. Yeah. No, I love that. Um so you talked a little bit about Mark and the Mark and sandwich. Yeah. Um, Matthew and Luke have a lot of parables. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What rules do we need to understand to read parables correctly? Yeah, you know, I'll give just a couple simple ones in the time we have left. One is a parable is not an allegory. You got to define allegory. Allegory is Google it no, want. don't Google okay. it. G- allegory <laughs> is like. Uh, um, Pilgrim's Progress, where everything stands for something, mm-hmm. right? And it's easy because his name is Christian and his, he has friends named Pliable and, you know, there's all kinds of different... There's Doubting Castle and there's the Bog of... Dis, let's see, what is it? The Slough of Despond. And so um, it's really easy to know what's going on. Um, 
in the main. Now, there are a couple exceptions, say the parable of the soil from Mark chapter 4, where Jesus tells you what, what each thing stands for. Most of the time, though, parables are meant to communicate one idea. It's one. It's look it can for, be confusing. It can be confusing. You look for one idea, and generally, it's surprising. Okay, it's not what you might expect. It's not what you expect, because the goal of the parable, when Jesus speaks the parable, is to get people's attention and shake them out of what they think is going to mm. happen is is right, you know. And so, um, for example, the prodigal son. Um, he's speaking to the Pharisees. They would have seen themselves as superior to the prodigal son. Now, remember, at the end, the at the end of the prodigal son, the older brother who had been the good son, he doesn't go in to the party, and he's the one who is who carries the who carries more guilt at the end of that story, because he doesn't go in and celebrate with his father who had found his son, mm. and the Pharisees likewise. Are like that. Are like that brother. because they 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 did not they did not see Jesus yeah. to be the Messiah, and so in general when we when we interpret parables look for one main idea, and it's usually there's usually a twist or a a surprising element that that would have gotten the original readers to go oh my goodness what I didn't expect that yeah no that's great um just to wrap up we talked about this more when we were reading how to read a narrative so like. Are you saying that when you're reading a gospel, there's only one meeting, or is it is it how it makes you feel? Or no, is it it's what not God? definitely not okay. how you make it feel. Um, so meaning is not ever tied to how what we feel, like yeah. and or so, what you think. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. There, I is mean, there an objective meaning? There is an objective meaning, and so I think each passage has an objective meaning, and so that's one of the things we try to do when we preach here at our church is. The, there's a main idea that the preacher is going to try to emphasize. Yeah. And that is the main interpretation of the that chapter, that section, whatever, in, in a sentence, right? Yeah. And so then the preacher will also then try to apply that in different ways to the people um, on Sunday. And so in every passage, there's one interpretation. And, and another way to say that is there's one meaning, but there's lots of different applications, Right. So like, think about the prodigal son. We just use that as an example. So imagine there's somebody who comes to church and they've been, they've been in a far country living a a riotous life, right? Living Uh, a what? A life of, of debauchery. Mm. And they, they, they hear that message and they go, I can trust the Lord Jesus because he's not going to send me away just like this father. That's a different application than somebody who grew up in the church, thinks they know all the answers and has a hard heart toward the prodigals. Right. Mm. That's a yeah. different response. See that? But the idea is the same, right? The, the main idea is that, you know, whether you're the older brother or the younger brother, you need to respond to Jesus. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Um, yeah, thank you so much for, for listening. That wraps up this episode. And um, don't send me pictures of your dogs, but maybe Rich oh, would Oh, no, that's that. fine. Don't I don't want any dog gifts, but please pray for Mark. I mean... <laughs> We can, um, God, God has given us a gift in dogs and Mark is just, well, he's thumbing his nose at the Lord at this point. And so (laughs) if you would just join me in prayer and, uh, just, you know, just believing that the Lord can do anything, um, he can. And so, um, if, if you have, if you'd like to have him dog sit just to help him, just (laughs) let him know. Um, I actually get asked a lot. 
Email it. People don't know, but this might end my career of dog shitting. Wow. I don't, that's fine. Uh, production at centeredgilbert.com. If you have questions or suggestions about how Mark can overcome his phobia of dogs, all you need to do is just email us there and uh, our email bell will go off. And um, uh, until next time, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.